Let's get into the Word, shall we? Now, that scripture that we read, that's Pastor Neary's scripture for the sermon that he was going to preach. Not going to mess with that, if that's all right. I'm going to leave that for him, that he may break the bread of life by God's grace when he comes back. We have a different scripture this morning. Oh, we're going to be looking at two, but this first one is found in the book of Philippians. And this is Philippians chapter 1, and I'm going to start reading in verse 5. Philippians chapter 1, and I'm going to read in verse 5. We don't have PowerPoint this morning, so I'm going to pause a little bit. Let everyone get a chance to be there. Philippians chapter 1. And this is what the word says, beginning in verse 5. It says, For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me read that again and paraphrase a little bit while I'm reading. It says, being confident of this very thing that he, this is the he, which hath begun a good work in you will finish the good work that he has begun in you. Can somebody say amen? amen. Because... It has been a trying year, 2019. Done laid a lot of people to sleep, have mercy. Got folk in the hospital, have mercy. And then we had, as it were, the changing of the guard. We have new ministries, new persons leading the ministry, and the devil is angry. He's angry because he sees a church that's determined to do what God said do. And so he's trying to discourage us. You see what I'm saying? And I have just heard recently people saying, I want to give up. People saying, this load is too heavy. Officers saying, it didn't start out good, I want to quit. And you know what, I'm not even mad. Because we all have days like that. When we feel like we are at the end. We feel like there is no more when we feel like we have nothing left. And I would just like to examine this, this, this philosophy that God would leave his work unfinished. Well, was it just a week ago that we had our anointing? Was that just last week? We are not allowed, it is not the thing, to tell people's personal business, you understand? But I want you to know that miracles have taken place in this church since the anointing. God has done some outstanding things. There have been doctor's reports that should have been bad, but they were good. Come on, somebody. There have been people that didn't have nowhere to stay, but right now they got shelter. God has been working. Oh, let me save my preaching. I got a ways to go. Hmm. Because when we began, it was the 10 days 
that we were modeling after, and we as a church said, we're going to come together and we're going to pray. Why? Because we need to pray. Nevertheless, let's look at it. I'd like you to turn now to Acts chapter 1. No, I'm going to start at Acts chapter 2, and we'll go back to the first chapter. Here's what it says in the interest of time while you're turning to Acts chapter 2. Let me just go ahead and read. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly, this is awesome, this is awesome, Put yourself there in the narrative as you listen to this. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Oh, have mercy. When I hear this right here, I think about 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 where it says there's going to be a shout from heaven. How lovely it is to hear a sound from heaven. Ah, but here we are in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. And suddenly there's a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. Mm. And it sat upon each of them what nobody in the church house didn't have the Holy Spirit on them. Isn't that something? And then what happens? It says, and they were all, all, everybody filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. What does that mean? They were able to speak languages they had not been to college to learn. Hebraic people and Aramaic tongues were able to speak Greek and able to speak other languages so that the gospel could be spread and there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. God equipped his people to do his work. And you got to appreciate that he was putting a church together. He had said, go into this room and wait. I have a work that I'm going to do with my church. Sit there and let me do my work. And we look at this part in the story. And we say, praise the Lord, hallelujah, Sister Neary. Isn't it nice to know, Elder Pedro, that the Holy Ghost came upon the church? But I would invite you. Ain't nothing wrong with hallelujah. We just leave that here. Let's just walk back from the hallelujah a little bit. Go back in scripture, back in time, as it were. Not far. Let's say five days. No. Let's go on back to day number one. There in the upper room, all of them together, different people with brand new ministries, a gospel that had to go out into the world. Was it perfect? Hmm. Did they all get along? Huh. Look at verse 13 of chapter 1. Let's see what we had in the upper room. Well. It says in chapter 1, verse 13 of Acts, And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room. Okay. And there abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew and James the son of Alphaeus and Simon and Judas the brother of James. Let's just break this down. First person, Peter. 
wasn't long before. I'm not talking about years before. I'm talking about just a little bit before. Jesus was about to be crucified. Peter was standing there and said, I don't know who he is. Denied Jesus. And Peter had his encounter with Jesus. Peter, lovest thou me? Peter, lovest thou me? But the other disciples in the room, they probably had a bone to pick with Peter. Peter, I'm glad you and Jesus are cool, but you and I haven't settled this yet. You denied Jesus, Peter. Peter says, yeah, but at least I was there. When he got arrested, one of y'all ran so fast, you left your clothes. You are naked running away. What about you? Well, let's see who else we had in the room. James and John had a nickname. What was it? Yeah. Jesus sitting there, the shadow of the cross, stretching across the Savior, the Savior needing to meditate, the Savior needing support, the Savior needing his boys around him. They over there arguing who's going to be first in the kingdom. Yeah, I hear you, Jesus. I see you over there struggling, but hey, can I be first? Their mama broke protocol. You don't send your mama. Can my boys be first? Peter could have said, I got a bone to pick with you. Yeah, I chickened out at the end, but at least I said, though somebody comes after you, Jesus, they're going to have to go through me first. I tried. Y'all over there trying to be first in the kingdom. Well, let's see who else is in the room. You got Philip. I don't really know Philip's deal. Wasn't it Philip that Jesus sent to go find some food? Wasn't that him? When the thousands needed to be fed, Jesus had to, had to choose Philip. There was some lesson Philip had to learn about Christ's ability to provide. They could have said, Philip, you were never a believer. We always had to get on you, Philip. How dare you be in this meeting? And if you look, there's Thomas there. Oh, mercy. Said the Lord had risen. Thomas said, not until I perform a physical exam, put my hands in the wounds, and Luke, who wrote Acts, probably laughing at Thomas, because what's Luke's profession? Luke is a doctor. He's like, you're going to perform a physical exam on the Savior? How dare you? And then if you look down in the next verse, there's some women there. There's a lot of women there. Because only a fool believes that the work is only for men to carry. Yeah, I said it. And if you look in the book of Luke, I believe, and there's the story of these two men that are on the road from Jerusalem to a place called Emmaus. Anybody ever heard that story? Jesus had been crucified. They were all depressed, and they're marching on the way to Emmaus, and they didn't realize somebody was walking with them. There's a whole story right there. You walk in, and you think you're by yourself, and you realize somebody was always with you. But we don't have time to preach that sermon. Let's stick with the topic. So they're walking down to the road of Emmaus, and Jesus makes himself known to them. He does not reveal his identity. They don't know that is Jesus, but they realize that they're not walking alone. Oh, sometimes we don't realize what the Savior is doing, but know that you ain't walking alone. Man, I said I wasn't going to preach that, didn't I? All right, let's get back. And they're walking, and Jesus asks them, 
man, why are y'all so sad? And they turn and they look and they say, where have you been? Are you not aware that Jesus of Nazareth, who we had hoped would be the Messiah, was crucified in Jerusalem? And if you read the story, they say, we hoped that Jesus would be great. We hoped that he would save Israel. And then they say, and then there's these women. Anybody ever read that? There's these women making claims, talking about he's risen, and they wouldn't believe the word of the church members because they were women. They could have been mad in the upper room. All of these ingredients, you see, people from different tribes and people with different ideas and people with different axes to grind and, and all of the elements coming together and God got a work to finish. Does everybody in here know what collard greens are? <laughs> Mo, I'm thinking about it really hard. Should I do it, Nissa? Nissa says no. Okay. That's a, come by my office. Let me tell you a cool story. <laughs> collard greens, for those who do not know, are a vegetable. Now, as I say in at least every sermon, I grew up in North Carolina, okay, where collard greens are a staple. And when I moved to the West Coast, I'll never forget, I was in Loma Linda, and I was in a Stater Brothers, it was called. And I went up and I said, do you all have collard greens? And the lady said, is that some kind of vegetable? And I said, oh, no. <laughs> In that same meeting, I said, you got banana pudding? And they were like, we have rice pudding. I said, oh, no. <laughs> By the way, if you want some serious banana pudding, you need to see Sister Mackie. She makes it deep, too, like this right here. You got to fish down in there to get that pudding out, yes. But collard greens, everybody's mother, everybody's mama, can I say mama? Everybody's mama has their own collard green recipe. You understand? And you grow up on the goodness of your mama's collard greens. You feel what I'm saying? Is there a, hey, come on, brother Elijah. Can I get an amen? Now, 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 listen. This is what you do. Now, this is the way you could do it. And if you got to, then you go ahead and do it this way. You can go to the store and go to the freezer and get yourself some frozen greens. I don't even want to address that. Okay? Let me tell you how it's really done. There's always a lady in the church who got a garden. You know what I'm saying? And then you'll get a phone call periodically, sound like this. Brother Johnson, these greens is ready. Why don't you come on over here and get you some greens? And that's a family affair. We're going to get us some greens. So when I was growing up, we all piled into the station wagon. Young people, I'll tell you what that is some other day. And we got in there, and we would drive. You remember the station wagon had those seats that faced backward? Yeah, so that was me and my little brother. We could see what was coming, you know what I'm saying? So we're in the station wagon. We go over somebody's house, and the family gets out. Come on, work with me, church. Work with me. And you go to the garden, and you got a bag, okay, a bag from the grocery store. It's funny. You go to the store to get the bag. You don't go to the store to get the greens, okay? And so you get down like this right here. Lord, help me get back up. And then you start picking those greens, and you put them in the bag until your mother says, that is enough. 
This is interesting because there's another church member coming behind you. And you don't take so much of the blessing that can't nobody else get none. That's not the mentality that we have as a church. So there you are and you get your greens and you take the greens back to your house. Now you got to pick the greens. You're like, but you just picked them. No, that was harvesting. Picking the greens is the process of opening the leaves and you remove the bugs and stuff. Now, you kids may not like that, but that's a good sign. That's how you know the greens came from the earth. There's dirt on the earth and bugs in the dirt on the earth. And so there you are removing the bugs and stuff, and your mama's going to look over your shoulder. Oh, no, no, Ryan, you didn't pick those greens properly. Oh, mama used to hate that. And you picked those greens until the greens were clean. And then mama got the greens. See what I'm saying? And then we take the greens into the kitchen, and mama would then soak them for a period of time in water. All right? While the greens are soaking in water, mama gets other things that go into this dish. Now, everybody's different. In my house, mama would get some onions. Okay, I'm not a big fan of onions, but mama knew how to do. And she'd cut those onions up, and then you get some other things and other things. And depending on the house that you are in, various ingredients go into the greens. Okay, now, here you are with this dish. We are trying to prepare a meal. We got work to finish here, you hear what I'm saying? And you have all of these ingredients from all of these different areas. And somebody might say, how is it all going to come together? And some mamas, mine is one, have a secret recipe. Now this right here is Laurie's seasoned salt. Yeah, I hear some amens out there. Y'all know. Mm. How healthy is this salt? I don't know. I don't want to know. <laughs> Just eat and praise the Lord. <laughs> but that's, that is <laughs> Mama then turn and she open up the cabinet and she pull out that, come on now. And then she goes to the dish, you see. And now all of these ingredients from everywhere, they are not in agreement yet. They are there in the pot. They are there in the upper room, and then mama then goes in and starts adding a little bit of the seasoning. You see what I'm saying? And then she tastes a little bit. Mm, I need a little bit more. And by the time mama's finished, we got a meal. Now, let's have a look at this. Here we are with all of these various ingredients. Peter, James, John, Andrew, angry people, people trying to do their ministries, coming together. God's got a work to do. All in the pot. What ingredient shall we add to bring all these people together? Well, let's see what the word says. Verse 14. These all continued with one accord in what? Well, you said it. Who were they praying to? Who were they praying to? Praying to Jesus, who is God. And when you add that ingredient, somehow 
everything comes together. Now, I am three quarters of the way done with this sermon, but I needed to set it up so that we can examine this last part. In the message that has been titled, Not Dead, God is still working. Amen. Not dead. God's still working. Sing this song with me. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, pure and holy, tried and true, tried and true. With thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary, sanctuary, Lord for you, Lord for you. Ah, and here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Father, bless Pastor Neri. And Lord, I ask that you would hide Ryan. Lord, let us not see, let us not hear from Ryan. But would you yourself come and speak to us today? You knew what would happen before we did, Lord, so we know you have a word for us today. Open our minds and our hearts as we examine how you have never failed to finish a work in the history of humanity. In thy mighty name we pray. Let everybody say. Amen. Amen. Working with me can be difficult. Just ask Miss Donna. Every day I'm coming in the office goofing off. She's in there minding her business. She looks up and there I am, Donna. And she's like, can you please? I'm trying to. <laughs> I'm trying to get the bulletins together. You all in staff meeting know I'm always goofing off. We're laughing and we're having a good time. And I pride, really, I'm so proud of the relationship that we have as staff, as elders, pastors, administrative assistance here in the church. And so we'll call each other. When I'm out of town, I will call Miss Donna. I will. Hey, lady, how you doing? I'm just checking on you. Whenever I'm going to the store, Miss Donna, I'm going to the store. Do you need something? She's like, a million dollars. Okay, I'll get that. And never come back. <laughs> I thought Ryan was coming. Where is he at? Found a million dollars. It was a Friday, and Fridays are always difficult days for this church because the business continues, but at the same time, we're getting ready for the Sabbath. It's a wonderful work, don't get me wrong, but we're running around, Pastor Neri is here, I'm there, I'm here, he's there, we're together, we're doing the thing. One Friday, I'm on my way home. Did I have to preach that weekend? I can't remember. 
let's say yeah. And I got a phone call, and it was Miss Donna. She said, Pastor Ryan, I have a person that is called the church. Now, if you all want to hear some serious testimony, sit down with Ms. Donna and ask her to tell you about some of the phone calls that she gets on a regular basis. This is serious stuff. The warfare that is described in the New Testament, man, she lives that every day. And the pastors are not always available. And Miss Donna, by the Holy Spirit, got steps to Christ over there to her right. And the word of God over there to her right. And the great controversy, just be reaching over there, ministering to people. And she got this phone call right here. She said, there is a man that has called. And he's about to commit suicide. And I talked with him. And I prayed with him. But he needs to speak to one of the pastors. Some of this, and I won't get into the details, is a medical issue. So I thought he ought to talk to you. Well, all right, Ms. Donna. Go ahead and text me his phone number. And she did. And I'm driving and I'm almost home. I'm off the highway, I'm in the burrows, and I'm heading on, and then I call a brother who we'll call Mike. Mike answered the phone. I said, Mike, how are you doing, man? This is Pastor Ryan. You know, all that energy. Mike said, yeah. Listen, man. I need prayer because I don't think I'm going to make it. Well, you get phone calls like this. And as we have said before, suicidality is a process. And you know, you can look. Some of you all are trained. There's Sister Denitra over there. You know, Sister Alcide is in here somewhere. You know, you go through the questions, and then there are certain things that let you know just how serious it is. And all those things were present. You can't keep driving when you're having a conversation like this. Because I can't focus on the traffic of Las Vegas when I need to be praying with my eyes closed. So I just pulled my car over to the side of the road and I said, Mike, let's talk, man. Let's meet tomorrow. No. Mike, tell me about yourself. Well, this and that. Mike, what's going on? Well, this and that. Mike, will you let me pray with you? Of course, pastor. That's why I call the preacher. Oh, Father. I'm just a man, Lord. And I don't know what to say. I need your spirit right now that's here and then here. Oh, Father, be with Mike. You said, yeah, you know, we'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm with you. Be with Mike, Lord. Lift him up. I began to claim promises, whatever I had in mind, and I reached in the back and I pulled out my Bible, and I'm just going through the Bible like this, and after a while, Mike said, I got to go. 
I said, wait, wait, wait. I'm going to call you back. Is that okay? All right. Because we have a ministry in our church. Just, just sit right there. Hated to hang up the phone, but I hung it up. Who can tell me who I called? Who knows? Who? Carolina Alcide. I have said this before. That is a sister who is a member of our church. And she runs a mental health clinic. That poor lady, I call her so regularly. Hey, Sister Alcide. Hey, Sister Alcide. It's Friday. She's getting ready for the Sabbath. And then I call her. She doesn't answer the phone. It's Friday. So I send a text message. We have an emergency. I need help. I've got a brother here. And we got to do something. And that something's got to do something else. I leave a message. And then I get back on the phone and I call Mike. Mike picks up. And we talk some more. We're talking about Jesus. We're talking about anything. And then I get the text message. Sister Carolina. How bad is it? And I'm talking and I'm texting. It's bad. We need someone for him to talk to. We need an intervention. And she says, well, I'm not there right now. But I have somebody. Hold on and I'm going to see if I can find her. So I stopped communicating with Sister Carolina and I'm sitting there talking to Mike. Hey, Mike. Let's pray some more, Mike. Mike. Let's talk. Let's talk about Jesus. Sister Carolina tries to find her person, and the sun goes on down. And I'm on the phone with Mike. And then Mike says, Listen, preacher, man, I gotta go. Hang on, Mike. No, no, no. I got to go. Mike hangs up the phone. We had just prayed, Lord, be with Mike. Lord, work with Mike. Lord, walk with Mike. And then he hung up the phone. And then I got the text message from Sister Carolina. I found my friend. Give Mike this phone number. And so I start calling Mike. And I started calling Mike. Mike didn't answer the phone. And I called him for days. Every doctor every preacher, every teacher, every elder, everybody in ministry has to learn the lesson. Sometimes you lose them. I wanted to give up. That close. And I didn't want to do it anymore.
And the church rolls on, doesn't it? Board meetings, doing our stuff, evangelism, doing our thing, praying, going to the hospital. You get back to work. You get back to work. You do the work the Lord has put before you by his grace. You don't give up. You get back to work. We got this Bible exploration, you know. That was a great idea. Elder Ron said, let's do a Bible study, but let's have the preachers and the elders teach it. Great idea, Elder Ron. And it's been a wonderful success. Let me tell you about it. So we go in there, and it's full for those of you all who are there. We dig into the word of the Lord. We have a great time. Those of us who thought we knew everything find out that we didn't. We get refreshed. Those who are hungry for the word are fed. We go in there and have a blessed. One time, one time I'm over there in Bible exploration, and I was teaching this time, and the topic was the state of the dead. Now, there are many reasons why the Lord wants us to understand that the dead do not see or hear anything. One of them is God does not want us praying to our dead loved ones spiritualism is tucked in there and the whole fear God give glory to him is wrapped in there it's all in there state of the dead and we're having this conversation and for some people this is new and hands are going up and we're answering questions and we're talking and all this kind of stuff and I remember this one guy raises his hand in the back right and I'm like yes yes what is it you know I mean not not angrily speak your mind I always say that and, and he asks a question right and we're like you know I don't really really know and he says no I'm going to ask it again and I'm like well the Bible says this and this and this and the man says Ryan I'm Mike. And I'm like, Mike? I'm running through my Mike index. Michael Jordan? <laughs> Michael Dukakis? I don't even remember that guy. Surely not Mike, Mike. Mike? And he stood up. And he said, I made it. And I walked over there in front of everybody. And I put my arms around the brother. Folk didn't even know what was going on. And I said, praise the name of Jesus. Mike's not dead. And did the preacher learn a lesson that day? Yes, he did learn a lesson. That just because I can't see it doesn't mean God's not working. Just because I don't understand it, that don't mean God's not working. Just because I can't kin it doesn't mean God's not working. God is working, working, working. And he's going to finish the work that he started. Listen to me. Listen to me. Your marriage is not dead. God is still working. The church, it's not dead. God, he's still working. Your ministry, it's not dead. God is still working. Paradise ain't dead. God's still working. Las Vegas is not dead. God is still working. You are not dead. And you can't give up. 
while it's still working. Don't walk out the hospital room while the doctor's still operating. Don't walk out the kitchen while the cook's still making something. Don't give up. God's still working on you. And he's going to finish the work that he started. He got a history of finishing the work that he started in the very beginning. Stepped out on the empty blackness of space, didn't he? Said, let there be light. They said, let there be air. But did he walk away back into heaven with the trees not half out the ground? Did he walk away while man was still half formed in the dirt? No, it says, and he finished the work. And on the seventh day, rested. When the children of Israel facing the Red Sea, and God told Moses, stretch that rod over the sea, and the water began to stand up. Did God stop when there were puddles? Did he stop when the water was waist deep? The Bible says there was dry land and he delivered his people with a mighty hand. And when Jesus was hanging on the cross, dying for me, dying for you, he didn't say, well, I'm almost done. He didn't say, well, I went as far as I could, but... He said, it's finished. Redemption is secure. And the work that he has started in this church, he's going to finish it. You need to stick with Jesus because he's going to finish the work. Listen to me. God's not dead. God is alive. And because he's alive, you ain't dead. He's still working. Listen to me, Sister Shari. God's still working. Brother Lagazzo, God's still working. Elder Ron, God's still working. Oh, my dear brother Lance, God is working. God is working. God is working. And he's going to finish it. How can God... Take all of these different elements with all of our different problems and all of our different beef and all of my hard-headedness and all of your hard-headedness and all of our broken-heartedness. How can he bring it all together and finish the work? Well, shall we put a little bit more Jesus on it? <laughs> shall we add a little bit more of a master? Shall we pray some more? Shall we walk by faith a little bit more? Shall we put it in his hands? Or will we give up? We are not dead. God still working. 
You don't ever end a sermon without giving somebody an opportunity to make a commitment. And I don't want to do one of those ones where we all come down front. Let's be introspective. Let's bow our heads. And I'm just asking you to think about you while I think about me. Think about how we have been fighting. Just briefly, I want to dwell on it, but how we have been discouraged. And how in the darkest hour, be it in life, at home, or in your ministry, we have sometimes wanted to give up because we thought it was hopeless. Because we thought it couldn't be fixed. Because we couldn't see the way forward. Now, I want you to think of Jesus standing in the bow of the ship in the middle of a storm whose eyes can see through the fog and the rain. Think of Jesus standing before the tomb of Lazarus, surrounded by people who thought nothing could be done. That's the Jesus who leads us. But it's personal and spiritual as well, isn't it? For we are sinners. And we are all in bondage. But you ain't dead. God is still working. And if we stick with him, he will finish the work. We will be the church that he wants us to be. We will have the ministry that he wants us to have. We will have the homes that he wants us to have. We will be the people that he wants us to be. And by his grace, we will make it. Father in heaven, Thank you that even when we want to give up on you, you don't give up on us. And we covenant with you right now that we are going to stay with you until and beyond the point when your work in us is complete. Bless this church, O oh Lord. Bless everybody in the church, Lord. And for those, Lord, who like Mike, feel that they are at their last, step into their life as you did with Mike and show them that you are still in control. And when it's all said and done, let us be together like this at the welcome table on the sea of glass.
and around your throne. This is what we ask. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Let everybody say, Amen. Amen.